Life Audio. All right, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. We are in week two of our Old Testament Bible Highlight Reel. And my friend Rev Rachel is here with us again. Rev, welcome to the show. Thanks, everybody. Always good to be with y'all. I mean, it's it's kind of your show at this point. Like it's our sh- it's our show. it's definitely so, it's definitely our show. When I said it's welcome. the witty banter, that's what makes us right. <laughs> so I'd be lame by myself, and I mean you're you're we're fine so, by yourself. But we're so witty and whimsical um, <laughs> while while we talk about serious problems of life and death mm-hmm. and sin. And thank goodness, the good news of salvation. That's what yes, we're about. Amen. So, mm-hmm. That's good. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So, you guys, as you know, we're doing this highlight reel through the Old Testament, and we want you to know like, subscribe, leave a review. We were just talking right before this episode, and we're like, we could do Genesis 3 for like 10 weeks straight. Oh my God. We're gonna gonna cover Genesis 3 in 20 minutes. So this is gonna be a real miracle. We're gonna like pretend to cover Genesis 3. (laughs) We're gonna scratch a teeny, teeny little bit out of Genesis 3. Well, you know, I mean, part of this is the whole reason we're doing a highlight reel is because we all know returning to, okay, knowing the big story, knowing the arc of these things that deeply impact our life. Like we see the seeds of exactly what is impacting our lives today, both on sin side and on salvation side. Like we're seeing all that come come to fruition. So when you guys leave us reviews or shoot me an email or whatever, it helps us know what you want to dig into further as we get into this. But we're in Genesis 3 today. As you guys know, we're also leaving you the passage. Rachel and I are reading the passage to you, and that would be in the podcast episode drop yesterday. So if you want to listen to the passage, we recommend that you right now, if you haven't done it yet, just pause this podcast, go back one, listen to Genesis 3, absorb this incredible moment in our lives as human beings, and then we're going to get into it. So Mm -hmm. Genesis 3 is what we're going to cover today. 
All right. Now you guys have listened to the passage. You've heard this story. You've probably heard pieces of this story before. It's always good when you read it again all together, especially if you haven't done that in a while. I know it meant a lot to me to just be like, oh my gosh, like this is it. Rachel, Genesis 3, is this it? Is This is where where the wheels come off. (laughs) Things are great for two whole chapters of the Bible. And then there's the rest of it. I wonder, I don't know exactly how many chapters is in the Bible, but um, obviously it's a big book and there's 66 books in there. And yeah, we're all somebody, somebody do the math on that. Remember where we left off last week, guys, the Lord created and it was good. Like we start from a place of goodness. Things were the way they were meant to be. And now we get here to Genesis three and we've got like, Rachel, I decided we kind of have like four movements we want to talk about through this chapter. We're going to do that high level overview So we're asking that question, okay, what does it say? So if you're listening to this chapter, you also most likely are able to see that there's kind of, there's a lot here, but there's kind of four major things happening. So let's take those one through four. Rachel, you go first. Tell us what does it say in this first component? What stands out to you? Yeah. So just a well, just a really quick flyby of what those four things are going to be, right? There's the the conversation between Eve and the serpent. Mm -hmm. It's kind of phase one. There's the interaction between God and Adam and Eve in the garden, phase two. There's the curses that unfolds, phase three. And then there's this really interesting interaction at the end with God, Adam and Eve, and animal skins. And it seems kind of weird, but the, man, there's some really cool stuff in there. So I'll just start looking at phase one, which is so fascinating. And what does it say? There's a lot of assumptions happening and a lot of implications. Yep. And some very interesting questions. And and one kind of really helpful overview, I think, for this whole chapter is anytime the Bible's asking a question, there's a pretty good chance it wants you to ask the question. Yeah. So one thing I always really try to look for, okay, what are what are the questions that we should be paying attention to? And the first one we have in Genesis three is did God say mm, Did God really say? Did God really say you shouldn't do this? And then of course that's what launches this whole thing. And so I think that's really worth diving into. But I'll stop there. What do you think? What, what have you okay. noticed? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one thing that really stands out to me in this part one is verse six, when it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food mm-hmm. and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, mm-hmm. it's always stood out to me that those are three very positive things. Like yeah. outside of the facts that we know that this was a no-no on her own, which is a clearly important part, like independently of anything else, she's making an evaluation and a judgment call that in, in you know, on a first blush, you'd say, oh, like those are three good reasons to do something. So mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. And also interesting in a nerdy moment aside to that point is the word good is the same Hebrew word that's been used through the first chapters of Genesis. So it's actually this twisting of what God had declared good. Now Eve is deciding for herself what is good. And of course, that goes south really, really fast. Oof. I mean, it's so, it's so much like and of course, you guys, I hope your minds are running on like, yeah, when do I do that? When am I just like independently making decisions? You know, so yeah, we can't get into all that right now. But yeah, so then there's this conversation, right? And we see how this conversation unfolds, starting with what appears to be an innocent question, which is actually a question that is casting doubt on the character of God, right? So we've got that happening in the first movement. And then the second thing that happens is we know what happens. We know that Eve does take the apple. She does give it to Adam. They both eat. And then in the second movement, we know that it says their eyes were both opened and they realized they were naked. So what we have entering the story here is exposure, shame, right? Like this sense of like something's not right with us. We have to cover up ourselves because something's not right with us. What do you notice there in that second movement? Well, the 
what I really kind of stands out, and it's maybe not super theological, but their their choice of clothing is mm. kind of weird, right? The fig leaf thing. And that that's their response, that the, this, like you said, this need to cover. And one thing I notice in contrast to the end where animal skins are going to show up is right. I So it's fall in North Carolina right now. Uh, I'm in the mountains. It's absolutely stunning. We're about a week away from peak season. And so the hills are beautiful. The leaves are about to fall. And like what happens to dead leaves, right? Mm-hmm. They're brittle. They fall apart eventually. Yeah. So their covering isn't going to last. Yeah. And so God's going to have to intervene again. Um, but that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what jumped at me. Yeah. And then, of course, like back to your point about whenever the Bible asks questions, make sure you pay attention. So now we also hit the second question, which is mm-hmm. God asking, where are you? Where are you? Uh, which is right. We all know that God knows where they are. So mm-hmm. then you have to ask the question, well, why why would God ask that? Like what's what's going on there that that question would be asked so that all that happens right in this second uh-huh. the second component. And then we get to the third thing, which I do think this is a place where people get really tripped up. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, how can we say that this is a good God when we've now got these like multitude verses of curses over over man and woman? And you've got the sort of long portion from 14 to 19 where the Lord God says to the serpent, this is what's going to happen to you, to the woman. This is what's going to happen to you to the man, this is what's going to happen to you. So what are your what stands out to you about that? I mean, it's hard to read, but what really strikes me is if you've ever been to middle school, you've seen these play out, right? Mm. Broker relationships between men and women, a really warped understanding of identity that can be really poisonous and toxic. I mean, mm-hmm. these things are unfolding and we are seeing the consequences of them in a very, very real way today. I mean, I, I, we could dive in line by line and I know that we can't, but I, I think what one thing that just continues to strike me is how accurate these are in describing what's wrong with the world and yeah. our warped relationship to work and our warped relationship with other people, mm-hmm. the way men and women experience those realities. Uh, and there's the, the moment of hope where this is where the, the early church identified kind of the first little glimmer of the gospel mm. of the woman's seed that that will uh, strike the little crush the serpent's head, even though he will strike his heel. Right. That's a shout out to Jesus. So we do get a glimpse of hope, even at the worst moment in human history, at least one of them. There's a Jesus shout out, uh, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. Like, wait, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And for those of you guys who are wondering about that, remember, like if you go to your Bible study, like we talk about using your using your study Bible and you go to Genesis 315 you're going to get to read a little portion of that. It's also going to take you to Romans 16. So if you want to do a little like deep dive nerdy, like how do, what does that mean? And why why does the church think that? It's really cool. So this is one of those first places where you can start to make some of those connections from the beginning to the end of scripture. So we're going to we're gonna encourage you to go that direction and, and check that out. Go down the exegetical rabbit trail. Do it. Yourself go down this the is the chapter trail. to do it. You're going to love it. Okay. So then the fourth movement, last thing that happens is at the end of the passage, and it starts in verse 21, where it says, like we mentioned, that now God has made them actual like garments to cover them that are going to work. Mm-hmm. And it's garments of skin, right? So he makes it, he uses animal skin to do this. And then we see him talk amongst himself, right, about what's going to happen to them and how they have to be taken out of the garden, which again, this whole second chap part of the chapter, super easy to misinterpret like God's so mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I want to talk, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. And just the reality, too, of the way that animal skins come into play here, like here we're getting a little bit of of a glimpse of a lot of the themes of the rest of the Bible, and it's that death is required to cover human shame. And there's the role that animals and animal sacrifice will play in that throughout the Old Testament. But, of course, there's going to be one death to cover all of the shame. Cue Jesus. Here it comes. Here it comes. right now. Okay, so what what's the backstory? I mean, we've given you guys little pieces along the way, but from sort of these four movements, Rachel, is there anything else that you want to point out to our listeners about context, about, I already mentioned this idea of shame. We already mentioned the idea of what's happening with kind of what's broken in humanity, right? Anything else come come to mind for you that we want them to know? Well, this this might be stating the obvious, but I think we tend to overlook that, actually, because we were in the passage we read, we read Genesis three. But Genesis two comes before that. And there's some really important things happening where it talks about God planting the garden in Eden, God planting the trees. And in order to really understand the conversation with the serpents that Eve has, which I really want to dive into because I think it's so fascinating and important. Mm -hmm. It's important to hear what God actually said which in Genesis 2 is this, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Mm -hmm. That's what God actually says. And so we're going to come back in a little bit to the way it unfolds in Genesis 3, which is different from what God actually says. Right, right. So we have God's God's intent, right? And like Mm -hmm. what's been actually, and then how the enemy twists it. The other thing I want to point out just from backstory Again, maybe obvious, but it might not be if you haven't thought about it in a while. There has been no death up to this point. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as death. Nothing is dying. So actually, the fig leaf probably maybe didn't die. I don't know. We don't know if there were seasons or not, but mm-hmm. we know that was a, a, an insufficient covering no matter what. But so when this comes into play, when it's like we have to now guard the tree of life because the tree of life represents eternal life. There is no death at that point. Death enters in. When God makes the sacrifice for Adam and Eve to have covering. So mm-hmm. just keeping in mind, like in the 
the Lord made it and it was good. There wasn't death at that point. Mm-hmm. That has that enters in because of the actions of Adam and Eve. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Okay. So as if it's easy to just say, <laughs> I'm even laughing to myself just thinking about the question. So what does this mean? Rachel, what does it mean? <laughs> but hey, let's let's do this. Let's challenge ourselves to say in those four movements in Genesis three, let's come up, let's give one principle for each of those four. And I know you're you're super jazzed to talk about the first part. So why don't yeah. you do the first one right here? When we think about what's the principle here that we need to hear. Go ahead and dive in with us about this conversation and what you're taking from it as far as what it means. Yeah, well, I'm, let me recap just a couple of those verses. So now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Mm. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. So interesting because they're both wrong, right? They're both actually twisting God's words of what God's instruction really was. So the, the serpent is saying, you, you know, it's casting doubt on is, isn't God holding out on you, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't God sucking the fun out of your experience? Isn't God withholding something good? He doesn't want you to eat from the tree in the middle because he doesn't want you to be like him. Mm-hmm. So God is the ultimate fun sucker, as one might say. He is yeah. holding, withholding something good from you. That's the serpent's lie. Mm-hmm. And Eve goes in and she actually, in her twisting of God's words, she actually adds rules that God mm-hmm. doesn't give. Mm-hmm. And how much trouble have the people of God gotten into over the millennia because they add stuff? Amen. Um, think the Pharisees, right? Yeah. The Pharisees were trying really hard to be obedient, actually. They're trying so hard that they added a whole bunch of other rules. And they are, of course, the ones who come into the greatest conflict with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just how much hurt and suffering and sin comes from warping what God says and then adding on to what God says Mm. that's just kind of a sobering thought. And I'm sure you have seen in your own lives playing out what happens when people twist God's words and add thing to things that God doesn't actually say. Mm. So we see this this moment, and this is where we like would think about what temptation is. And this is so interesting because I think that when people think about the word temptation, they think about like eating too much dessert or whatever, like mm-hmm. something like that. And I'm like, no, like the actual temptation is that the enemy says, I want to tempt you to think about something differently and to doubt the intentions of a good God. And it's on that moment that that's when Eve decides to evaluate the tree for herself, Mm -hmm. where she stops going with what God says and says, well, what I need to do is I got to take care of me. Like I, I have to now be a person who makes an independent decision that's right for me. And when we talk about temptation as if it's like too many chocolate bars, temptation is believing that you, no one is looking out for you, but you. And your your job is to know how this world works and make a call on each and everything in your life. And how crazy is that? Because that's what we that's what people celebrate. We celebrate the idea that you are an int- like a smart person who makes your own decisions. And yet that's the exact thing that took Eve down was not the idea of being smart, but the idea of being smart outside of God's design, outside of God's command, outside of God's framework. And I mean, it's just. It's a heap of trouble. And the the book of Judges picks up on that with a, this really indicting line where Judges, if you've ever read it, oh my gosh, it's one of the most violent, awful, horrible books. Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's totally Game of Thrones. Oh my God, especially the end. I'm not even going to talk about it because it's so rated R. And the final line of the book of Judges and is, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, which is mm-hmm. quoting Genesis 3, 
and is showing what the consequences are of when we make the call about what's good and what isn't. Yeah. America says that's a great thing. The Bible saying, oh, man, that is actually really destructive to you and to everybody else around you. Right. And you just you see it play out. And a lot of times I think that when we when we think about, you know, this. Well, let's go to the next part. Uh, yeah. Part two. Okay, next okay, part. Yeah, you two. take it away. Take it away. Part, part two. two. Go with it. Okay. So well, what is it? With it. Part two. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? Okay. You guys know probably at this point that my background is, you know, as a therapist. So I studied as a Christian counselor before I went into these other roles that I have now. And so I've always really, really been fascinated with human nature. And human nature is captured in this moment where God invites Adam and Eve back into relationship. Where are you? Be open, be real, be transparent with me. And they have covered right themselves. They now then we see human nature play out. What do we do when we feel exposed? And they hide and they blame each other. And and I think just, I'm not going to add any more because there's a lot there, but I just want to go with what does this mean? And I want you to know human nature and the issue that we all have with sin, with shame, with vulnerability, with blame is a tale as old as time. And you cannot escape from it. Like anyone listening, if you're in listening range, this is you. This is me. This is Rachel. This is our, this is what it looks like mm-hmm. to be humans who have come into, started a relationship that is fractured with God. And, and we're trying to find our way back to ourselves and to him. And what we see here is this beautiful desire of God's to extend relationship again and again. Like mm. he's the one who continues to pursue, to extend that relationship. So I'm going to stop there because there's a lot I could say. So much. Well, and to, in kind of the next few phases, I would love to call if you'd be willing to dive in because we've mentioned this before, but for the curses, the getting kicked out of the garden, it does feel a little cranky. Feels like God's yeah. been a little cranky and a little harsh. Can you speak to how we might be able to understand that and kind of get inside what's going on? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, so everything is somewhat of a mystery, right? Like we're all, we're all going to have to step back and say like, God is God and we are not. But I always like to say to our listeners, remember, you've got to work from what you know to be true. And if there's one thing that's true from beginning to end of scripture is that God continues to tell us exactly who he is. He says that he's compassionate. He is merciful, that he, in fact, is love. I mean, this is, I love really, really clear commands. Like the fact that scripture says, this is how you know what love is. Hmm. Jesus laid down his life for you. Like it's, it's so clear what we can understand. So if we keep in our mind and we use that framework to say, we know that God is compassionate, merciful, and loving. So why is this happening? All I can say is that I do think it's connected to the fact that in the Garden of Eden is the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and what those represent when it comes to our soul's immortality, like the soul that we have that is eternal and that in the process of of taking control and being disobedient to the knowledge of good and evil, um, Adam and Eve opened up humans to what we were not designed to handle. Mm-hmm. And and in doing so, it means we also can't be now like also immortal. That would be actually the worst possible design it would be mm-hmm. to be fully knowledgeable about how bad things are really are and also to never be in God's presence. We'd have to live in this like brokenness forever. Mm-hmm. So when they're kind of cursed, I think the curses to me are actually, hey, this is literally just what happened because of what you did. It's um, this. It's not. I didn't now make this happen. I now. I didn't just decide on this punishment. It's because you have opened yourself up to this that this is going to the, be the result. This is the not fallout. As, yeah. This is the fallout of this. Is a these are the specifics, the symptoms of the death that was promised 
that I, which exactly. is why I told you not like eat. When I told, yeah, <laughs> like when I said to you, eat from any of these trees, but not this one, because you will surely die. I was telling you in advance the consequences of knowing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what it is. So that's a very different approach than yeah. feeling like God is a wrathful God who is doling out punishment, slapping the wrist, so to speak, for being disobedient. No, this is like, no, like, it's almost like if you're, if you're, if your dog ran in the street, like, if you run in this, I, I, I'm not going to make a car hit you. I know that like a car is going to hit you. Like that is what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. Right. So yeah. that's, that's the way I describe, I don't know how you'd explain it, but that's kind of how no, I think that's, I think that's super helpful. I do think it's worth noting that God curses the serpent. Mm. He curses the ground. He never actually curses the man or the woman. Mm. And so mm. and it's not to say there, there are, con- there is yeah. punishment on the man and the woman, but a curse is a very loaded word in the Bible. And so mm. they are experiencing the consequences of these curses, mm. but they in and of themselves. I, I just think that's a nice subtle, but I think it's an interesting distinction. No, that's like God still wants life and flourishing for men and for mm-hmm. women. And God is going to undo the damage in Jesus that has been done. Yeah, that's how I've, I've typically read it, too. Of God, It's not like they got baited and switched. Like God right. said, if you eat from this tree, you will die. Yeah. And what we're seeing in the curses is these are the symptoms of death yeah. that precede it. And then will mm-hmm. ultimately lead to your death. Even though also, by the way, in God's mercy, he could have zapped them on the spot and he didn't. Right. They don't actually die immediately. There's kind of a, a delayed reaction. Right. Um, so it's painful to read, but but clearly God is still at work. And the rest of the Bible is the story of what God is going to do to solve this problem. Yeah. And if you think about death as more than just physical death, there's a lot of like what death means here, right? Because it's like, now you're going to have to, now there's going to be like, there's going to be problems between you and the one you love. There's going to be problems between you and your purpose, right? The way you do work. So all of these like original shalom, like fully integrated things about being a human, there's a death in all directions, right? Which is why I always talk about sin is not just sin is not just your behavior. It is not too many chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. It is a fracturing at the very like heart and essence of who we are. That is why the idea of salvation and what Jesus has done for us is so powerful. It's not because you ate too many chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. That's not what that that wouldn't require Jesus' sacrifice in the way that this kind of fracturing that we see here is cosmic fracturing take place. Okay, well, let's get to something good, right? Before we... Yeah, yes. So right here at the end, fourth movement in Genesis 3 is now God providing, right? And talking about what's happening with them. So tell us a little bit, walk us through kind of how to think maybe about this last kind of piece Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, well, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we're going to see God's provision playing out all throughout the Old Testament, right? The whole animal sacrificial system, which is so bizarre to us who are kind of modern Western people, but we see really early on that that death is what is needed to cover shame. And some kind of the, the trippy spiritual math of that, the animals died to help alleviate Adam and Eve's shame. And so mm-hmm. part of what Jesus is going to do, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this takes away the shame once and for all, that is prefaced by the Old Testament Jewish system of worship to help kind of prepare the ground and give us a framework to think about what Jesus is going to do. But I think most importantly, if you really want to figure out why Genesis 3 matters and how that plays out just read romans like paul is the man Mm. in in helping us understand this and so i actually read uh romans chapter five is particularly helpful so here's just a few verses out of romans five that are really worth just kind of soaking in so when adam sinned sin entered the world yes adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone 
But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. As people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm, So good. So good. We did a series on Romans a year or so ago, so you can go back and listen to Romans 5 if you want as well. Um, and here's another like piece of good news. You know, we get the end of chapter three and we have this visual, right? And in this visual, there is now a gar- guardians over the tree of life. There is angels who are guarding that and, and Adam and Eve no longer have access to that tree of life. But if you go all the way from Genesis three, all the way forward to Revelation two, after Jesus has come to earth, he has died on the cross, he's been resurrected, he's ushered in a new age and a new kingdom. This is what Jesus says in Revelation 2, 7. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is Mm -hmm. in the paradise of God. Jesus himself is the one who ushers us through that now separation that we see in Genesis 3. Jesus covers that and he invites us into it. And he says, anyone who's with me will have access again to that paradise, to that tree of life. So it's like this great undoing that we we get to be beneficiaries of knowing that that's where the story's going. And that's going to be our reality, you know. Beautiful. To quote uh, Samwise Gamgee, Lord of the Rings, one day everything sad is going to come untrue. Yes, yes. So good. All right, you guys, that's Genesis 3 in a tiny nutshell. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you kept up and we're excited to jump into Genesis 15 next week. So we'll see you guys then. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's Word, one verse at a time to explore His will for your life, and desire to draw closer to Him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.